Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back, and we brought a very special guest along with us. He's back again tonight, James the Degenerate 75, the host of the Showdown Hoedown. Thanks for joining us tonight, James. How you doing? Pretty good. Just I, I, I only agreed to come back because I had to redeem myself after the mathematical error last time. I will not stand for such an embarrassment. So uh, I got my calculator tonight. I'm going to warn you. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Listen, I'm ready for it. It's, it's, I'm excited. The Rocket Mortgage Classic, a tournament where basically anyone can win. It's wide open. So from draft purposes, we got to work it out for us. It's, you know, you can pick the winner in the first pick. You could also pick a, the someone mixes the cut. I think from a handicapping standpoint, there's a lot more randomness this week than in typical weeks. Which is fine, right? Still, good golfers typically end up on top. We're going to find out who those good golfers are. We know who's good at picking golfers, especially after the first round. See, how you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. You know who else is good at picking golfers is, is everybody in the chat because team audience dominated last week, getting a six for six through and just carrying it the rest of the way. And I believe if memory serves, I wasn't part of team audience last week. I just had my own team. So there may be some rumors going around the water cooler that perhaps audience, maybe they're better off. Maybe they're better off without me. I don't know. Uh, I, I'd like to debunk those rumors. But nonetheless, I got to congratulate the audience. Really good job. Uh, I'm going to be joining with you. But, you know, when I'm joining with you, you guys just pick your own team anyway. So it's all good. Real quick, in the chat, let us know who you think is going to win the tournament. Uh, type in the chat who you think is going to win the tournament. And, I, I, Joel, I can't wait to get started. I love it. I love it. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. And just to add to the point that you mentioned earlier, Joel, like I think this is a really good DFS week, specifically if you're looking to play some of these larger field GPPs here. Uh, ownership seems to be concentrated in all the same areas. I think there's ways to get unique with these builds. I'm really looking forward to this. Like these are the events that I've typically found most of my success at. And just going to throw it out there. I am rocking in honor of Eminem today. Old school Eminem, the Eminem show t-shirt. So I feel good vibes over on my side. Do you think Eminem's a member of Detroit Golf Club? Yes. Okay. All right. I got to think, you got to think Eminem's what, a scratch golfer at worst? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised he's not on the tour. I think the man can do everything. I would, I would agree. Mom's spaghetti. So, um, Spence, <laughs> we got our work cut out for us up in Detroit. Break it down for me. What are you looking for on this golf course this week? Yeah, so we're going to have Detroit Golf Club. It's the host of the Rocket Mortgage Classic for the fifth consecutive year. 
I think it's hard to say that the first handful of the iterations of this contest necessarily went according to plan. I don't know if we're necessarily going to get a change this week, but we've gotten winning scores of 25 under and 23 under in 2019 and 2020. We did get that to shrink to 18 under in 2021. But once again, mayhem ensued last year when we saw Tony Finau lift the trophy at 26 under. I think from a structural perspective, Donald Ross designed this venue in 1914. You're going to have that tree-lined nature of the facility that hasn't seen much change from the day it was built. You have that potential for blockage from the trees to go along with the four-inch thick rough and then the methodically placed bunkers. But none of that necessarily makes this as difficult as you would hope because of the wide open nature of the land. Like I've kind of given this answer quite a few times. I just think because this course has not been redone, players have become too long, too good, and you reach this part where just players pick it apart. So there's a 12-yard increase from distance from 283 to 295 yards here over a PGA Tour average course. Uh, that's one of the things that comes into play. Accuracy is also going to be easier here. Although I think the two big answers come down to two different categories. One, you get a 4.6% increase in the dispersion of scoring with the putter. That moves the needle to over 40% of the allocated percentage coming there. And then you get 11.3% more shots that occur from zero to 150 yards than average. When I ran my model, 75% of my weighted strokes gain total came underneath that combination of how are you with your wedges? Can you make putts? Obviously having a little distance is going to be an advantage. I don't think it's the only prerequisite to find success. But uh, as I said at the beginning of this show, People keep landing on the same answers. And when that happens, I do think it opens up a unique nature for how we can make these builds. I love it. I love Listen back. That's how we get the biggest edge, understanding the course as best you can to find out which types of golfers we want to be targeting. But of course, watch the drift, see who we go after. We've been pretty hot in recent weeks in terms of our teams, our overall scores, getting six of six to make the cut. The whole nine, we're going back at it again this week i'm going to pull up the draft board now as i do so a quick reminder of how the rules work it's going to be a snake draft like your typical fantasy football draft the audience as cia mentioned coming off a great week a great draft one of the best i'm not going to go off and say it's the best ever from the audience because the audience has had some pretty hot weeks but it was one of the best it was a great week from the audience um you guys are going to go first spencer second dgen third and then I am going to go fourth on the snake, get two in a row on the way back. The big caveat is you have to stay within the DraftKings salary, so you cannot just take all the best players. You have to make sure you draft uh, with your salary in mind. Without further ado, audience, get your nominations in. You are on the clock. Yeah, and we already have a couple nominations, uh, a couple that I like, actually. Uh, waiting for a second on any of these four guys that have already been nominated and we have it and he's going to be popular. Let me double check that. Of course, we're going to get final ownership from Steven Pilardi tomorrow at windyleysports.com, but it's Hideki Matsuyama. In, in case I got that wrong, somebody let me know. We don't want another Deki gate because we know this show kicked off last year with a major fiasco, uh, AKA Deki gate, but it looks like Hideki was the guy that was nominated in Listen, here's the thing. And actually, DJ, and I want to go to you on this one because I think this is a, an important point and I'm not sure I'm on the right side of it. So when it comes to guys that you actually think are going to take down the tournament, and I think most of the people that are nominating Hideki Matsuyama for the first overall pick for team audience, I think that's what they think. Uh, I, at least I should hope that's what they think. So when he comes in, if he comes in at like 24 to 26 percent, 
is that donkey chalk that you'd actually incorporate because you think he could take down the tournament? Because I know that high-end chalk, that's something you want to, to have on your squad more than, let's say, the 7K chalk. Am I right? The reason Hideki is going to be donkey chalk this week is he's, he's just underpriced. I mean, like he should probably be more like 10,400 in this uh, field. Uh, mm-hmm. And so because of that, that people just naturally always want to go to a good value. But like at a, at a birdie fest like this, like, I, you know, I, I'm OK fading Hideki. Like we've seen yeah. Hideki win tournaments. He wins tournaments at like minus 12 to minus, you know, 16 to 18 range. And if the winner is going to be minus 24, I just refuse to believe after what I've seen with my eyes for the past eight years that Hideki can roll in 26 birdies uh, with that uh, uh, garbage putter of his. So that, that would be my one reason that I could easily justify fading him. Now, if you're playing cash or you like have another guy that you think is going to win and you just want somebody who's going to get a top five. OK, I buy that. But like I can't I can't buy the Hideki's going to win uh, uh, narrative. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, it, it wouldn't have been my first choice. And, it, and I do like Decky this week, but it's because of what Spencer said. In these birdie fests, and he said it like a few minutes ago, like you can really get creative with your lineups because we're going to have a, a lot of guys, especially with to me, with, with so few guys at the top that are like dominant guys. Like, don't forget, like there's no Rom, there's no McElroy, there's no Scheffler, there's not even a Cantlay or a Xander. So the, the top tier isn't like your standard top tier. And in a birdie fest, that top tier, it, it might just kind of be, you know, par for the course for them. Some of these lower end guys in the 8K range, in the 9K range, even in the 7K range, they can really shoot up this leaderboard any given day, if not all four days. So I mean, I think that would be. I'm I'm not going to hate on the pick, um, but it is definitely like your quote unquote donkey chalk. And in this particular tournament with this type of course, it might be the wrong time to take a guy that's 25% up top. Um, Spencer, it's your pick. Any commentary on the decky pick, and then go ahead and and make your pick. I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree with what James said in some way. And and like, for me, he's the number one player in my model when you run a safety model. So that's kind of a cash game answer of what you're looking for. It's a very similar answer that he gave also that I've said about Colin Morikawa. I think Morikawa, Deki, there's a couple other players. They work better when you don't have to make as many putts. So if you put them in some of these more challenging tournaments, all of a sudden you have a birdie fest where the winning score is like 25 to 30 under. Obviously, Hideki's going to have to make more putts to win that tournament. I think he's safe. I think that's one of the reasons like you're not looking for safety at the price, but he's so underpriced that I have not removed him from my player pool yet. I, I think there's ways to get unique, whether I play him or don't play him. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, let's see where ownership is in 24 hours here before I, I guess I lock in a decision. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Spencer, what's your decision for the, for your first pick uh, for the PGA Draftcast? So I don't think I need to do this with my first selection. He probably falls back to me at some point, but I think the audience has left me the winner on the board for my first pick. So I'm just going to take him right now. You know, we all know about the big cat. That's Tiger Woods, the big easy Ernie Els. I'm going to do something, you guys, that is highly controversial on this show and give a player in this field a new nickname that by the end of this week, everybody is going to be calling this player this. That is going to be Thomas, the big D Dietrich. He wins his first PGA Tour title this weekend in the D. I also give anyone permission to use that headline when he wins this week, but you guys heard it here first. The big D is coming this weekend in Detroit. Wow, there's just so much we can do with that, but I'm not going to do any of it. I'm just going to pass it off to Joel and ask Joel, how are you feeling about Thomas Dietrich? Because I've heard his name come up here and there. I'm not a Thomas Dietrich guy. I just not, just not somebody... Um, I, I usually roster, uh, but I, I do hear his name coming up a little bit. Is he somebody that you're thinking about? So I have become a very similar response to you, see, and I'm not really a Thomas Dietrich guy. I don't tend to play him, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of 
chatter around him this week. People seem to like him at 7,400. I can see it. As of right now, I'm not playing him, but I may be starting to be convinced and maybe get some exposure. See, yeah, I James, don't know. I ahead. don't know where you're going with the D on that. Of course, we mean like a big driver of the ball more than anything. But uh, you know, oh, I, I don't know. You took that a completely different direction than I ever would have meant it. They were talking that's about good. Detroit. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was talking about. The, the direction was north to Detroit. I, I don't know even what you're implying by that, James. Before we get to your pick, um, Thomas Dietrich. Listen, I, I know you don't make your lineups until tomorrow. After, of course, everybody in the audience type it in there, checking the weather. Uh, but with that said, is, is Thomas Dietrich a guy that's just kind of come across your eyes and, and you thought, okay, this is a guy I might want to roster? Yeah, I was, I was going to tell you when it was my turn that all of my picks tonight are going to be my guilty pleasure picks because I'm not actually playing any lineups this week with the Fantasy Golf World Championship. I don't want to mush myself. So, And when you're playing that, it's basically a cash game, the top 50% advance. So tonight I'm using all of this as my guilty pleasures uh, mm. uh, picks, and Thomas Dietrich was one of the eight that I had uh, selected. So he was definitely on my board, and uh, he is, uh, you know, I, I'm not, like, you know, ever going to consider putting him in a cash lineup, but, like, you know, for, for a, a GPP, let's let's roll it. All right. So Thomas Dietrich was going to be one of the guys you were going to take. Well, he's taken. So who's your first pick? So once again, as I told you, I'm going guilty pleasure this week, right? I, I'm you know I'm essentially just playing a glorified cash game. So these are all the guys I really want to play, but I can't realistically play them because I just think they're too volatile. So I'm going to get all of my pleasure in picking them here. And I think the one guy, I, I, I think he might be broken, but then I just keep seeing all these little signs that like, oh, he's a good putter on these types of surfaces. He's been putting well recently. He is a guy that uh, actually plays easy course as well, which doesn't fit my narrative of him. And I think he's the one guy up top who is the best player out of all of these guys that will go criminally under-owned at DFS this week. So I will take my man Maximum Homa. Mm, very interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it right now. I, I, you know, I'm actually surprised. And again, these are this isn't final ownership numbers that I'm looking at, but I'm surprised he's approaching. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like he's at least approaching 20%, which actually shocks me because I would have thought he'd be down in the 13 to 14% range at best. Uh, Joel, let me ask you, when it comes to Max Homa, somebody that's in your player pool or no? He'll be in my player pool. I'm a fan of Max Homa. I like Max Homa. I'm going to always try to play him. Um, I have concerns about the current status of his game. He hasn't been showing us great results recently. But I think this is the type of tournament It's a great opportunity for a turnaround in a weaker field for a guy who's probably the most, if not one of the most talented players in the field. Justin Thomas had his slump buster last week at a birdie fest. Nothing gets you out of a slump like a like an easy-ass tournament. That's fair. Uh, Joel, you got back-to-back picks, but Spencer, yes or no on Max Homa? Yeah, I just want to add one thing to Max Homa very quickly. So in my model, I always run the way that a player's striking the ball for all these events, and then I'll take their baseline short game and add it to the mix of where my model thinks they should have been if they got the baseline with some of the more volatile features of their game. If you look at his back-to-back missed cuts that he's had, uh, at the U.S. Open, my model thought he should have been in 21st going into the weekend. Obviously, he missed the cut. Last week, it thought he should have been in 30th. I think Max Homa's playing better golf than the perception is around him. We know he's a good putter. He's the number one player in my model and expected strokes gain total for this course. I love that he is the lowest owned player in this $10,000 plus section. Like To me, that probably makes him the most realistic option to play when you have a lot of popularity around him. I really like Homa. That was going to be the next selection I was going to make. So I like that pick from James there. Fair enough. All right. And uh, Patrick Scott in the chat points out that Homa shot minus five on Friday and missed the cut. 
on the number. So that's actually very relevant information. Uh, Joel, you've got two picks to give us. What, what's it going to be? All right. Well, my first pick, I'm going to start with, unfortunately for me, but I like the pick, Mega Chalk. Maybe the highest owned player of the week. And it's Ricky Fowler. Uh, and Ricky Fowler is playing like this is maybe the best he's ever been playing. I mean, even back to his prime days, he is in great form. Obviously, he hasn't gotten all the way there and won a tournament. But looking at this field, this looks like it's every opportunity he has to pull one out. This could be the week. Checking the box of his iron play has just been outstanding. His around the green game, which isn't as important here, has just been very good consistently. And he's hot. He's got that hot putter that you know you're going to need on this course. Um, he hasn't slowed down since the U.S. Open. He came out last week. He had 10 under one day. This just feels like a really good opportunity for him to finally kind of break through and actually get a win. And I think with that win kind of, you know, right now we're seeing him in the 10-4, which is obviously really priced up. But this is going to be the new norm. And maybe not 10-4, but the 9K range is, is now rookie for the remainder of this year because of how well he's been playing. And I'm happy to eat that chalk, and I'll get different elsewhere. I'm, I'm going to get different with this next pick right here. See, you're a guy. I'm going with your guy here. One of my favorite value plays, Carson Young. I mean, yeah. he's still 7K. I mean, see, when you were talking about him a couple weeks ago, he was like 6,300. We were like, this seems like it's underpriced. I still think so at 7,000 mm -hmm. flat. He could easily be in the high sevens, and I think that would probably have been the more appropriate range for him. Again, a guy who's going to be able to make putts. His ball striking has been there. He, he, he lost a ton of strokes at the U.S. Open, which is like I'm going to give him a pass for that. If you take the U.S. Open out, his ball, his numbers are going to like that's holding his numbers back. And that's why he might not be popping on people's charts as much as he should be. But other than that one tournament, he's been excellent. And so I think at 7K is a value play to pair with Ricky here. I think he has an opportunity to go really to give a really good result. Yeah, it's it's a constant disrespect for Carson Young. It's just like we're not catching up yet because I guess we haven't seen enough of a sample size, but He's gained seven out of eight on approach. And off the tee, his numbers aren't great, but that's because he lacks distance more than anything. So he's going to keep it in the fairway. And if you're locked in with your irons and it's going to be soft, birdieable conditions, well, if you've gained seven out of eight on approach, and if you're hot with the putter, which he absolutely is, I mean, he's been ridiculous with the putter. Um, this seems to set up really well, in spite of the fact that he doesn't have the, the distance that a lot of people think this course is going to require. I, I, I literally, I, I love that start. I mean, I don't know how... I'm sure Carson Young's going to have some popularity, especially because people don't want to dip into that 6K range because it's not very good. Like once you get below 6,900, it's, it's just not great. So he'll have some ownership too, but I, I still like the pick of Carson Young. Now, we know what we do with 7K chalk. Like that can be super, super dangerous. So I just want to put that out there. Um, it, if he gets more popular than he is now, it's just something really to consider. And DJN, you might have something to say about that, but you also have to give us your next pick. Yeah, I mean, they're just really slow to react to Carson Young. Like he's just—he's a seventy-five hundred dollar golfer, and they're just not—they're not priced anywhere he should be. Just like a couple weeks ago when he was sixty-seven hundred, they're just—they're just slow to react to him. Uh, so he's totally a good value. I, I think a cash game cornerstone, uh, as Kenny would yeah. say. So uh, this next one, I can already tell you this next guy, uh, a guilty pleasure that I'm so glad that uh, I'm going to be able to get on my team. I can already, he's, it's a new uh, uh, love affair of mine. I can already feel myself becoming a slut for this guy. Uh, and uh, it's been, it's, it's a very new relationship, but it's been torrid. And uh, I think he's just a future star. I think he has Victor Hovland type upside, especially at a, Birdie Fest type tournament, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my uh, Big Twelve brother Ludwig Aberg. 
Yeah. I, you know, I'm surprised that I'm not seeing him super popular already because a lot of people are talking about him and it's for really good reason. The ball striking off the tee is a monster. Uh, I, I think he's great. I'm, Spencer, I want to ask you about him because, you know, I know with your modeling, I, I know you just you do it in so many different ways, like, short, you know, short form, but also uh, long term form in a big way as well. But sometimes when we don't have a lot of information, we don't have a big sample size from somebody. I wonder where they stand with with what you are projecting for them in this tournament. So I, I want to ask you about Aberg. Is he somebody that's sort of on your radar or not quite yet? So I always try to regress numbers for these kids or any player that doesn't have a lot of data to them. Like that's just something that I do because I think you can get these really wonky outputs when you run just from the limited sample size. On the flip side of that answer, I did not do that for Ludwig this week. I've been saying even before he had played in a PGA Tour event and right when he was about to enter onto the tour after college, I think he is one of the most talented kids we have seen enter the PGA Tour in quite a handful of years. Uh, two-time Ben Hogan award winner, the pedigrees there, former number one amateur. The model really likes him from the limited sample size that I do have for him. I think we see this, and I kind of given this example before, where we can say maybe this is more of a fall season than right now, although he could very well win this event. I think it's a possibility. He kind of reminds me of like what Tom Kim did last year when he entered the tour and just immediately started winning and competing from day one. I think that's what Ludwig is. I'm not touching his numbers and regressing them. He ended up being inside the top five of my model. Like you can make an argument that that's too high up right now, but I don't know that it is. Like, I think the ceiling is so massive on him that I'm just going to keep playing him until I see otherwise at this point. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, and honestly, you just, I have three sort of primary outrights. I, I have a, a couple like super long shots that, you know, people can sprinkle on if they, if they want to. But two of the three, spoiler alert, are Aberg and Tom Kim, who you just mentioned, Spencer. So uh, I, you know, I probably shouldn't do the table talk here because Tom Kim hasn't actually been drafted yet, but I wanted to put that out there. Uh, you can get all my picks in the Wind Daily Sports uh, Discord, by the way. Uh, Spencer, it's your pick. You started with Thomas Dietrich. Who's next? So kind of, as I said, I wish I could have had Homa here. Um, if I didn't have Homa, I wish I could have had Aberg. I'm going to go to the third name for me. This is a golfer that I take a lot on this show. I'm going to take Sung JM. My model continues to love the upside that he possesses in these contests. He has this massive ceiling that plays well at these birdie fest courses. He also merges the top ranked output in my model for expected scoring at Detroit Golf Club. Exceptionally well with an overall birdie fest that I'm looking for. The data continues to point in this direction where we can highlight his acumen both on and around the green when given corollary setups. Um, when I put, and we'll talk about outrights, I guess, for a second, because you just mentioned them, Sia. Like, I ended up betting Dietrich. I got that at 120 to 1 when it opened. I bet Sungjae at 22 to 1. The name that ended up missing my card that I really wanted was Homa. I just didn't end up getting there. But that's like essentially how I was trying to build my card this week. So I'll take two of my outrights here and build the rest of the lineup out from there. All right. Well, I, I like it. Joel, let me kick it to you real quick. Uh, is he in your player pool, Sung JM? He is. I mean, listen, From a, I think there's a similar answer with him as is with Homa, where it's like, you know, he's not playing his best golf, but he's maybe, he's definitely top three most talented golfers in this field. We know he can get there, and he's starting to show improvement. So I think... To get a very a guy of his caliber and talent at the ownership and price you get him here makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and real quick, uh, we already have the audience pick. So I want to ask you, Dijen, uh, Sungjae, you know, it's interesting because he had a pretty good tournament. He kind of fizzled a little bit, I think, with the putter on Sunday. So his finish wasn't really that great, but whatever. Um, would Sungjae be a guy you'd be interested in without so, giving in a, away any trade secrets? Because I know you've got something going on this weekend. So, I mean, what's just so goofy is Sungjae is $100 more than Cam Davis. Like, w- w- what world are we living in that, that they're like $100 apart? He's yeah. like absolutely a better golfer and then he's incredible on easy 72 courses right easy conditions on par 72s he's really good at soft conditions and with all the rain uh, on the uh, around detroit right now it's going to be super soft conditions again that's why we know they're going to be throwing darts uh and oh yeah he can putt like he's like one of the elite guys that actually putts really well so mm-hmm. like sungjae at 9400 is just laughable i don't really care about his form uh whenever i see these long-term metrics uh of him being good at these uh par 72 is i'll just you just play you just play the talent yeah i love that all right speaking of talent the audience super talented because they took down our tournament uh last week for the travelers hit the like button by the way if you haven't already we would honestly appreciate that if you're not doing it for us do it for james who is on the show for the second time in like a couple of months james you bring a lot of your your crew with you like your crew rolls with you they travel they you're like whoever the best college football road team is that's like degen nation so that's pretty cool and we we definitely appreciate you know all of your community that that's here right now with that said i'm not going to let you say anything quite yet because i got to get our picks out and then it's going to go right back to you degen we're going to go with another chalky guy which i'm not going to lie to you i love i mean another guy in the carson young mold that that we have absolutely loved none other than austin Eck goat austin Eck god austin we can just call him Austin. We can just go by one name because he's that good. Uh, 8K, 8K, he is, um, he's going to be chalky. So, again, keep that in mind. Audience, you know, we're going to need to go with some non-chalky guys, obviously. But we just did that because Joseph Bramlett's not going to pick up a ton of ownership. And I think he's a pretty good pick at 7,600. I know David Bielewski, who's part of the Wind Daily team and who's helping produce this show right now, usually is on the show. I know he was one of the guys who nominated Bramlett, which goes a long way in my book. So, I like both of those guys. So I want to go down the list and we're going to do a yes, no, before we get to James's uh, or Spencer's pick. Um, Joel, yes or no. And we're just going to go Road and Bramlett. Let us know. I'm going to say no on Bramlett and I'm going to say yes to Road, but not as high as I was on previous weeks. Okay. And James, Joseph Bramlett, Austin Road, yes or no? Yes and yes. And Spencer? I will say no to Bramlett. I guess I hate the ownership on Road. if I'm being honest. Like, I think yeah. the profile looks fine. He's inside the top 20 of my model. Um, I guess indifferent, but I would be cognizant of the ownership if you are playing him. Like, I am not going to personally have him in lineups, but I, I understand the reasoning of why people like him. I Like, the numbers look good around them. There's a couple of pivots, and I'm not going to give the names away, but there's a couple of pivots right above Road. Um like within four or five of Ekro that are like really solid pivots that are half the ownership or lower. So that's something to keep in mind. We can talk about that uh, more later, but Spencer, it is your pick. Uh, you've got Thomas Dietrich. You've got Sung JM. Looks like a good start to me. How are you going to screw it up? <laughs> I don't know. I, I might actually screw it up. I mean, I feel like this is what's so difficult about this show. Like when the core players that you want get taken, you obviously have to try to mix and match it to make it work. And I think when you reach a a position like this tournament where the ownership is landing in all the same places, there's just certain areas I didn't necessarily want to be at this week. Um, 
Oh, guys, I, I don't know right now. Do you want to do, do give me give me 10 seconds to make a pick here? Vintage Spencer. Okay, is this, James. Is this like the NFL draft or if he doesn't get it in a certain time, it skips Yeah, it him? comes to you. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll, James, I love the ruthlessness. James, I'll kick it to you. This is Vintage Spencer where we get him squirming usually in the first round. It took it took three rounds to get him there. But um, we have Brandon Mc, McElderry who says we are like LSU fans in Omaha ta talking about DGen Nation. So speak to DGen Nation real quick and let us know how we can find you because we know we can find you on YouTube. Everybody knows that at this point. But what about the website? Yeah, so just a bunch of sweaty tryhards. That's all we are. And I, you know, I, I guess I'm the symbolic leader of that. But uh, DGen75.com is just my website. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do DFS content in a little bit different way, trying to teach people a little bit more about, uh, you know, how the sausage gets made, how to do it instead of just always, you know, spoon feeding people what they want, which is picks. And I get that that's like what 90% of people want, but some people want to learn a bit. Uh, learn a little bit more about the process and that's what i really focus on so it's it, you know it's just coming at dfs from a different direction it's not for everybody i do cuss a lot and i don't really care what you think about me and uh, that right there can be a little off-putting to some people but i will warn you some people like to cut in my jib they do and they like that you're authentic and so for the for those that don't like the cut of your jib i think they're okay saying okay i'm gonna turn the page here i think most people stick around because you're authentic and uh, you, you're really smart. Like, obviously, what you do actually works. I had you on Sia Najad Sports, which I was very thankful that you came onto that show and uh, kind of talked about how you got to where you are now. And I, I thought that was incredibly interesting, if not inspirational. Okay, Spencer, did we buy you enough time? So first of all, Sia, it's not squirming. Let's, let's call this what it is here. I come from a poker background. I am very methodical. Like one of the rules that got had to be put into place for some of these poker tournaments, they put a shot clock up there. You wow. know, if Jason Mizrahi wants to put a shot clock on me and all of a sudden we change the rules of the show, that's fine. I'll abide by the rules. And if I forfeit my time slot, that's fine. But if I have an ample amount of time to make a decision, I'm very methodical and calculated with what I'm trying to do. I'm going to use all the time that I have on it. So uh, that might be something that needs to be taken up with Jason there. But... I am going to go in a direction I was not planning on doing. I will figure this out on the back end of the equation just because I think this is the most simplistic way for me to go here. I'll go to the very top of the board. I will take the defending champion of this tournament in Tony Finau. Um, I lost a lot of the value that I wanted on the Fowlers, the Hideki's, the Abergs, a lot of those names. I'm not necessarily rushing for a lot of those other players. So I'll go with one of the players that I mean, I don't know if he technically should be the favorite in this field. I kind of more so think that position belongs to Ricky Fowler, but I'll take Tony Finau with the options I have left. Like I'd rather take Finau than Morikawa if I'm directly comparing. Interesting. Patrick Scott is in the chat and he's very much offended, Spencer. Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I probably, just because he pinpointed those two, I would probably go with Morikawa over Tony Finau. Joel, I want to kick it to you before we get to, to James's pick. Um, how are you feeling about Tony Finau? Because the form hasn't looked good since Mexico, but we know he has the upside. And of course, we know he can win here because he just won here last year. Um, with all that said, Tony Finau is not going to be in, in my player pool. Uh, is he going to be in yours? Unlikely. Listen, I get him from a GPP standpoint. He obviously has the talent. He has the upside to put the week together. The ownership shouldn't be too bad. It all makes sense. But from the way I'm building my lineup from his price point and his current form, I just think there's better options for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, James, you can feel free to let us know if you're in or out on Tony, uh, but let us know what your pick is after Aberg. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Tony's like, this is like, I kept, I said this the other day, I think this tournament's like the the broken people tournament. Like, all the guys at the top of this leaderboard outside of Fowler, I've legit said I think are broken uh, in the past few weeks. Like, none of them are playing their A game. Uh, Morikawa showed a little bit of signs of life. Obviously, Thomas showed some signs of life. But, like, overall, all those guys are not playing particularly well. So Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, so uh, what? Are we, uh, yeah, so I got to be strategic here, and I'm really trying to think of like I don't want Joel to because I got two guys I want to take here at this, and so I got to box him out, and I'm thinking which one is it going to hurt my soul more if he steals? So I'm trying to be strategic here, and I think I'm gonna take the I'm gonna play the game that he'd be more likely to take more than the guy that I want to take. See, this is why drafts they they mess with you. So I'm going to take once again guilty pleasure draft. Give me give me Jaeger bombs overpriced Steven Jaeger. Give him to mm-hmm. me. Okay, yeah, we, love actually, bom- we love Bombers this week. His nickname is Jaeger Bombs. What do you want? So this is something that I think people don't really get about DFS. And James, feel free to comment on this because maybe this isn't the direction you were going to go. But you mentioned overpriced. And I think when people see a player that's overpriced, their immediate reaction is, oh, I'm not going to pay that much for that guy. Well, what, what you have to understand is that's what everybody else is thinking too. So you got a guy with like Steven Yeager who has tremendous upside and the ball striking's there and the putter can be hot and cold. And, and But again, he's proven it before that he can at least be in the conversation for three or four rounds. The fact that he's overpriced actually helps you from a tournament standpoint because not a lot of people are going to end up being on him. James, is that part of the reason you're drafting him here? Absolutely. I mean, these these quote unquote nuclear hot guys, right? Like another example, I had no interest in Cam Davis this week. I, I think he's back to playing poorly. And then I saw that he was overpriced by twelve hundred dollars. All of a sudden, I'm like, OK, I can kind of see Cam Davis now. Like it just because I just realized the value that I'm going to get versus their upside. And that's really all I'm looking for. And uh, so guys like Jaeger and, and Cam Davis, I get excited when I see them overpriced, just like when there's, you know, some donkey dick that I don't want to play. I love when they underprice them. Right. Like a great example of is Hideki is just far underpriced this week. And if I didn't want to play Decky, which isn't necessarily true, but let's just say that's the case. I would be super excited. These underpriced because I know that's going to add another five to eight points to his ownership just because he's underpriced. Right. Um, Spencer, yes or no on Steven Yeager. I think yes, for the reasons that James said, and it's, that's one of the big things that I've always been a proponent on, on this show is that when a player is at least by the general public's assessment overpriced, you get the reduction in ownership that you can shoot for. I worry about the putter. I mean, he has an inability to make a putt. I've never seen anything quite like it in my life before, but ball striking's there. He's added extra distance in 2023. I think if he pops, he can pop in a big way. Um, I have absolutely no issues with Jaeger. So real quick, Joel, I want, I want to get your two picks, but okay, this is something I heard, but I wasn't able to vet. And I'm curious if anybody in the chat or if anybody on this show heard this as well. So I was doing the first cut with Rick yesterday and we talked about how Steven Yeager lost seven and a half strokes putting just in round four last week at the Travelers. And it didn't make any sense, right? It's his worst putting performance. I think it's the worst putting performance on the PGA Tour all year. And then somebody messaged me. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give them credit. And they said they were watching the PGA Tour Live or the ESPN Plus feed. And it was made evident that after a few holes, Steven Yeager's putter actually broke and he was putting with a wedge. I had no information on that. Does anybody like know that to be true? Because it certainly would explain losing seven strokes just a few days ago. And frankly, when it comes to the putter, there are at least some tournaments where he's okay with the putter. So if if I can disregard those seven strokes because he was using a wedge, then that's cool. Like it'd make me feel a lot better. James, it sounds like you might have some info on that. Yeah, I think that uh, if if that is true, well, that's big news because if he had his putter, he probably would have only lost like six strokes putting. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's breaking news. I mean, that 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 makes me feel a lot better about the pick right now. 
I mean, I, I do want to take guys who are who are good, like at least decent with the putter. I did notice he 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 had a positive putter at hey, least in a couple he, of from five to ten feet, which is you know kind of the birdie range, right? He is a an above average uh, golfer in this field at five to ten feet. There you go. You got to look for you got to look for a little any little nugget with his putting. And if he I creates had, a lot I of opportunities, which is a good thing. Like give you as many opportunities as you can. That's great. Yep. All right, Joel, you've got two opportunities to draft. Uh, who's it going to be after Ricky Fowler and Carson Young? All right. I'm pleased with Tom Kim falling to me here. I mean, Tom yeah. Kim is, has found something. As we all know, I loved Tom Kim coming into the season, and I was pretty disappointed by his start. But he certainly turned a corner over the last couple of weeks. Um, this is going to be a week. He's going to need to make some putts. I think the ball striking is going to be there. I think he's gonna, his approach play will be good. If he does, if he's able to find a hot putter this week, I think he goes ahead and competes to win the tournament. So at 9,800, I'm happy with this price. And I'm going to pair him with Doug Gim at 7,400. Doug Gim has been playing really, really good golf over the last few months. I mean, this isn't just a flash in the pan anymore with him. Um, he certainly found I – mean, he's always been a really good ball striker. That has been there. His off-the-tee play has been outstanding, which is a big reason why I really like him this week. And Gim's not one of those guys where, you know, putting is, is his weakness. He's going to have to be able to make some putts. But he's shown some improvement. He's usually one of those guys that's always super negative putting. And, you know, he gained not even a full stroke, but he still gained putting at the Travelers. And I think he's showing signs of, his, of, a, of the putter coming around. And if that happens again this week, I think he'll get us another good result. Yeah, and David Bielewski in the chat and producing this show. Uh, Tom Kim won Wyndham at Sedgefield, another Donald Ross design, he says. I like Tom Kim a lot. I mean, I you know, we know he can spike with the putter. The ball striking looks to be in the form it was last summer and last fall. At least it's it's resembling that form. Doug Gim, I just want to warn everybody, he is picking up some steam because a lot of people are talking about him and the ball striking is just obnoxiously good and the putter isn't completely dreadful. So it would make sense to roster him at 7,400. Before we get back to James's pick, let's do yes or no. On Tom Kim, who, who for the record isn't super chalky, like in in the range he's in, he's not super chalky, at least not as of as of right now. James, yes or no on Tom Kim? No. Uh, Spencer, yes or no on Tom Kim? I have heard rumors. I don't know if they're true that Tom Kim was walking with a limp last week. Um, Here we go, Joel. I don't know what to tell you about that. I also have Tom <laughs> Kim on my season long team, so this sounds like bad news all the way around. All right. Well, we'll have to vet that. Uh, J- James, did you hear anything like that? Yeah, I have. Uh, that okay. was why I said, that's why I said no. <laughs> the exact same thing from multiple sources. Yeah. Spencer's the fourth source I've heard that from. I'm wow. just going to be optimistic here and give a response. And it, it's, no, it's not really logical, but I'm still going to say it. I can't tell you how many times I get news like that before a tournament. <laughs> and I don't play them. And they're totally fine and end up like top fiving. And I'm like, why didn't I play them? Because somebody randomly walking around the course said they were hurt. And I listened to it and then they end up playing great. So I'm going to try and show some restraint, not listen to the news, unless it's like clearly like if I see it myself and okay, then fine. Separate. Okay. Oh. But he, but Joel, we have to apply a little bit of context here oh, no. because you literally always draft the guy who withdraws without fail. And Ivan's in here saying classic Joel withdrawal. Like this is probably a thing now because you decided to select him. So all you Tom Kim fans, thank Draftmaster Flex for that. That's very interesting news. I mean, we'll have to vet that to some degree. I mean, I would assume if he's playing, he's okay, but you, you never know. By the way, maybe the limp is just his swag. 
Just saying, Tom Kim, he's got, he's got, he's got a little bit of swag. Let's not forget he was wrapped up in KT tape for like three weeks too, like, like you know, head to toe. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I want to make an important distinction about what Joel said. There is like, I'm, I'm one of those people that I love when people overreact, but I like when they overreact to, oh, he got new clubs, or oh, he has a new caddy, or oh, he can't hit his fade. Like that's all stupid nonsense, right? Whenever there's injuries, a lot of times those will have, you know, like there, there can be some legs to those rumors. So I take injury gossip a lot different than I take stupid gossip, like all the things I listed, right? And to see yeah. his point, I've proven over time that I don't listen to injury news, and I've been proven wrong. I mean, with as much as I have writing on uh, my lineups this week, I just have no interest in waking up Thursday morning to see Hideki's neck hurts or Tom Kim you know, has a blister and had to withdraw. I'm just not in the mood for that this week. Yeah, I get that. All right, James. Well, what are you in the mood for? Because you just got Steven Yeager. I think that's a great pick. You have a ton of upside on your team with Homa, Aberg, and Yeager. Who's next? This is the guilty pleasure team, and I'm I'm super. This is the one I'm the most excited to draft. I just had to make sure uh, that he fell to me. The, uh, the narrative, the prevailing narrative this week is that we need bombers. This is a course that really favors bombers, and I think that the data at least uh, somewhat supports that. And so there is a bomber who is a true talent in the seven in the seven Ks that I honestly feel like is more talented than any other golfer in the seven Ks. He's already shown that he can win, and he can absolutely light up a course. And oh yeah. He can putt, and that's going to be kind of important at a birdie fest. So I'm very excited to take Taylor Moore right here. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I haven't made a decision on Taylor Moore yet. Spencer, I want to go to you. How are you feeling about Taylor Moore? Uh, high upside numbers in my model when I ran it for upside. I think he's one of those GPP plays. That's very intriguing. Um, current form obviously doesn't look great with three consecutive missed cuts in the 72nd at the PGA Championship, but – um, I've always kind of said that I think Taylor Moore and Steven Yeager are very similar golfers in a lot of ways that they play. So uh, if I like one, I like the other. I'm always fine putting them together into builds. YOLO. A lot I, got of- a, I got a YOLO yeah. lineup. Yeah, exactly. Which is what you want, right? Uh, and a lot of people in the chat are pretty mad at James for uh, drafting Taylor Moore, which is always a good thing. Again, if you're in the chat and you haven't hit the like button, uh, hit it for James. Hit it for Taylor Moore. Jaeger, Aberg, and Homa. Uh, Spencer, it's your pick. You, you just got Tony Finau way up top. Who's next? So there is a golfer for me that ranks 46th in my model over two-year perspective in strokes gain total. When I ran the data specifically for this course, he moved into eighth overall. That is Justin Sutt at 7,900. We want to talk about being able to make putts. He's number one in my model on in corollary green complexes. He's number two two in my model when I look in recent form of putting. He's number one in weighted overall putting. And then on top of it, the weighted proximity for me is really good for him. He's 24th overall in my model, which um, I am kind of in this blueprint right now with the way that I've built this. Like I think Suz is a very nice fit that I see him right now at sub 7, sub 8%. I think he's a nice spot where, yeah, he's a little bit popular, but there are some names around him that are much more popular. Like I, I do think he's a potential pivot spot to save a few percent. Yeah. Joel, uh, in your player pool or not? No. James thoughts on Justin. So not opposed to it, not opposed to it. Uh-huh. I haven't, I haven't made up my mind yet. Sounded like an endorsement to me. Uh, reading the tea leaves. I, I don't mind Justin. Sun. I, I Spencer, I like what you said about the profile of Justin. So I, I definitely think from a course fit standpoint, uh, he makes a lot of sense. Um, Speaking of making sense, I'm trying to make sense of the chat. It looks like we've got a lot of nominations in here. It looks like Benny on is definitely 
uh, one of the guys that has been selected. So we can go ahead and put him in. Oh, Smalley. Alex Smalley is, is the other guy. Interesting. Um, you know, listen, I, I don't have a problem really with either of these guys. Smalley wasn't on my radar at all. Uh, but again, I don't have a problem with it. Hanan was a little bit on my radar. Um, I got to check his ownership or his projected ownership. But Joel, either of these two guys in your player pool. Yeah, they were literally the next two guys. I was hoping, I was really wanted small if my backup was Hanan. So now I got to start over from scratch. Do you, like do you guys track uh, like the most like cumulative ownership from a team ever drafted? Because I, I feel like Joel's got a goal tonight. <laughs> yeah. That man came yes. with a goal and he is trying to achieve it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he's getting there. Tom Kim was actually, believe it or not, Tom Kim at like 17 to 18% was like a, a yep. pretty low owned dark well, that, print. That's his big uh, pivot. Ultimately. 18%. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, uh, Hanan, Alex Smalley, where you at on those two? Yeah, I, I like Benny Ann. I, I, I like everything I'm seeing. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at a lot of peripheral stats this week, like can score on easy uh, uh, 72s and soft conditions. And Benny Ann does both of those things. Not a chance I'm eating overpriced uh, Alex Smalley 8,600 chalk. I don't even like to play him when he's 6,800. So I'm not going to play him when the numbers are flipped. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with that on Alex Smalley. Hanan, I actually thought would have a little bit more ownership than what I'm seeing, which is sub 10% right now. And again, my numbers aren't final by, but, by any but stretch. He, but he missed a cut last week, so that means he sucks and you could never play him. Yeah, that's right. He does profile so well for this course. So hopefully that is the conventional wisdom that we can take advantage of. Uh, Spencer, uh, you've got two more picks to go. You've got Thomas Dietrich, Sung J.M., Tony Finau, Justin Sa. I like I like this team so far. Who's next? I think this is where my sickness comes in the play of a golfer that I continually to want to take every single weekend. He's been really bad in 2023. Uh, he was my massive play at the Masters who imploded on himself very early in that round. I just think we've reached a point right now where the price tag on him is way too cheap for the upside that he possesses and what we've seen from him historically. I see sub 3%. Um, let's see where that ends up trending, but Alex Noren, 7,300, um, there are a lot of numbers in my model that pop him inside the top 20. I mean, it's going to be a volatile outcome. He has that positive trajectory for upside and that negative route for safety that can be dangerous, but as like a sub 3% golfer, that's exactly what you want when you're taking shots here. I mean, that's tough though. Alex Noren has just not been very good. But you're right. The, the ownership game, we know he has the pedigree, but we just haven't seen it for a while. Joel, any thoughts on Alex Noren? I mean, I, I think for the reasons Spencer said, I get it. I mean, I think he's an affordable guy that has a little bit of upside. I also don't love his current form, but um, if you're looking for a way to get different, then I think he's certainly a way that he's a guy that can be a difference maker. Yeah. And uh, Brent Harrison here is saying we have different. It looks like we have different uh, people with different numbers on Benny on. And Brent Harris says steam candidate Benny on. Uh, and, and James, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that a, is that a new segment that you do? Do you do steam candidates? Yeah, I got the steam guys and the moonwalk guys, because like right. ownership's becoming such a moving target that like they're everybody's watching, getting good projected ownership numbers Wednesday. And then they're adjusting off of that. So we, we have to take it to the next level, anticipate where is the, the steam going to go Wednesday night? Because it's it's inevitably happening happening and i think benny on is one of those guys that if he actually is at like eight to ten percent he is absolutely a, a steam candidate in my opinion james uh you you left off with taylor moore who's next 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, in the chat right now, if you, anybody can guess who I'm going to pick right now, I will get. I will PayPal you twenty bucks. Okay. <laughs> or or I'll build a lineup with you. Whatever you want to do. So hurry up Web and get Simpson. your guesses in. <laughs> yeah, I am a web slut. Let the record. All I needed to see was web 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 picked up on ball striking for one round. I'm all back in. Uh, no, gonna, it's nasty. I'm going to type something in. I'm typing something in. Hold on. I've hey. lost so much money on Web Simpson. I, I thought this was a free roll to try to get back 20 bucks. <laughs> I tried to beat the audience there. You know, uh, uh, Web Simpson was a really good guess, but you're going to have to go a little lower. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Five, four. All right, here we go. I, I tried I tried to telegraph it. I'm going to take Justin lower. Uh, lower, Ooh. lower, however you say it. Uh, I, no, one, no one saw that coming. No one was guessing that. I, I once again I'm playing my nuclear hot guys this week. This this whole tournament reminds me of the Zurich back in May, which has been, still been my best week of the whole year because I was just like in this stupid format with best ball, any of these ass clowns can get hot and just go roast this course. So I'm just gonna play all these icky guys that I would never normally play that have crazy high upside, and it worked well for me that week. So give me give me all the Justin Lauer. Yeah, and I know that uh, David Bielski is a big fan of him too. Just he's been tracking his approach numbers, which which have been. Uh, pretty solid. Uh, don't hate that pick. All right, Joel, you've got a chalky lineup. Ricky Fowler, Carson Young, your Tom Kim pivot, air quotes, Doug Gim. Who is next? Actually, you got two picks. You can round out your team right now. All right, we got to – I'm going to start with – and now I'm going to check the ownership to make sure it's a, it's a proof. <laughs> don't be deterred. Where are we going? Uh, yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> We're affecting him. The mind games are working. It's still a little chalky, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I end up getting fourth in the millionaire, make 20k instead of a million. It'd be fine. Um, I'm gonna take Aaron Rye. Uh, Aaron Rye has been striking the ball. He's, you know, he's almost on a little bit of a rotation with like huge ball striking and then a little bit of regression. The driver's been really good. If the rotation continues, it's another big ball striking week where he gains seven or eight strokes. And the biggest thing with Rye, a similar trend in my lineup is. The putter's coming around. Like, he's typically a pretty bad putter. He's been gaining on with the putter the last couple of weeks. If Aaron Rice found something with his putter, he now becomes a much better player. And we don't, he doesn't need to be a great putter. If he's just positive with the putter, um, I think you're going to see another great result. Get him under 8K in this field, I think, is a steal, right? Because this field, which is pretty watered down, he easily could have been in the 8K range. So I'm totally happy taking him here. Um Please, please take the guy I'm hoping you take with this last pick. I'm praying you take it. It's going to be pretty chalky. So, yeah, I'm going to take <laughs> – I'm going to take Nate Lashley. Okay, that's not – Nate Lashley is my last pick here. Uh, listen, he's won this tournament before. The first time they, they did the tournament here in Detroit. And he's just – he's been his numbers have been really solid. I mean, he's continually ball striking over the last couple months, really positive around the green, and he can make putts and – you can have one of those hot putter weeks where he, he goes out there and competes for the tournament. So 7,300, I think he's a great value. Ivan stepping in here saying, uh, Joel casually dropping the fact that he was fourth in the Millie Maker a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we see you, Joel. We see you. Don't worry about it. Uh, listen, I, I don't mind Nate Lashley or Aaron Ryan. I don't think I'm – personally, I don't think I'm going to be on either of those guys, and it's just because I have other guys in my pool that I like. But, Spencer, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we got yeses or noes on Aaron Ryan, Nate Lashley. I am generally okay with Nate Lashley. I have a head-to-head -head bet with him over Nick Hardy. A uh, little bit different answer there. And then Aaron Rye, just too much popularity for me. Like, I, I think there's ways to pivot of options that are probably not going to be picked on the show unless James picks one of them right now. Like, there's a few names that definitely make sense. Well, James, are you going to pick one of them right now? 
So this like this this is tough for me, right? I got seventy six hundred left. I did my math correctly this time. Very excited, very excited. And I th- I'm gonna blow your mind. I would actually take Patrick Rogers here if that loser wiener didn't already withdraw. Uh, and I actually really like Joseph Bramlett too, but for whatever reason, these donkeys in the chat already took him. So <laughs> I got to kind of think on the fly here, and I was for sure Mark Hubbard was about to get taken, just the, so Joel could have the chalkiest lineup in the history of the, the draft cast. He he shocked me by only taking a fourteen percent guy. Um, Joel, I love you. Uh, I'm just jealous Thank of that Millie Maker uh, spot. So I guess if we're just doing the YOLO lineup, I'm between two guys, and I guess if we're truly going YOLO. I get, let's just take Gordon Sargent, man. Yeah, I knew you were going there for some reason. I, I like I like the pick. Go ahead, yeah. James. I, I I love all my picks. This is this is the best YOLO team ever. I love it. These are all my guilty uh, pleasure guys. Joel, any thoughts on Gordon Sargent? Is he somebody that that you thought okay maybe I'll put him in my player pool? Uh, another guy that I like, I, I'm rooting for. I think he's gonna be. He's going to end up having a good career. I don't think he's there yet. Seventy five hundred. I'm probably not playing him this week. Yeah, ball striking's there, short game, you know, a little bit questionable. Spencer, Gordon Sargent, yes or no? Yes, that's actually one of the players. So there were two players. One, James could not afford, and I didn't realize it at the time. I thought Bezadenhout was an intriguing name at 7,700, but uh, Sargent was the second name that I think is a really interesting pivot off of some of the little bit more chalk that you're finding in that range. All right, so we are pro-Sargent ultimately. Spencer, you've got one pick left. Uh, Alex Norton was your last pick. Very unconventional. Could work out. Who's next? Who's last? See, how do I put myself in this position? Every single show that Webb Simpson is a part of it where I have just enough money to afford him if I want to go that route. Um, Don't do it. I I guess I'm not going to do it because it's never worked. So instead of going that direction, let's take a golfer that's missed five of his last six cuts. That sounds like a better route to go here. Uh, I'm going to take Ben Griffin. At 7,100, this is just that boomer bust mentality. I know he's gone completely cold since the Wells Fargo Championship, but the extended data is still extremely intriguing for the upside that I believe he possesses at really a respectable price in any market that you're looking at here. Ninth in my model and weighted proximity from zero to 150 yards when we mix that with the likelihood to make the putt. Uh, Top 30 for weighted scoring and weighted strokes gain total. That at least gives me a little bit of hope that he can strike some magic and find something that he hasn't found recently here in Detroit. So um, volatile play. I I think that's two volatile back-to-back plays with Noren and him. But like that's the kind of lineups that I like building where the ceiling is massive and I'm going to take my shots on these names where the upside is grading well in my model. Yeah, totally fair. All right. Uh, I'm okay with that. Um, I guess – I mean, I can't imagine like Ben Griffin's is going to be an unpopular pick. I don't want, I don't dislike the pick though, but Joel, I got to ask you, Ben Griffin in the conversation for you at all? No. James on your radar at all? Well, only because I heard this really interesting story that no one knows about him. Did you know he was once an accountant before he became a golfer? That's yes. sarcasm. That's sarcasm. See ya. <laughs> I feel like that joke was lost on you. Okay. Um, all right. Overplayed story on PGA. Oh, there's so many though. We could we could go we could do a whole show on all the hits, couldn't we? And he and he wins the rocket mortgage. It's like the perfect. Uh, oh, that's nice. That's the narrative I needed right there. Yeah, now, so I'm now I'm in. Now I'm in. Now I'm in. All right, audience. Did you already? Is the final pick is Mark Green right that the final pick is CT Pan? Have we have we collected the nominations yet, or is he just is he just saying he likes CT? Just Pan? casually leaving 800 on the table. Look at these guys. Hoygaard was not. Oh, it looks like Hoygaard was the guy, right? 
Um, I think yeah, it's Hoygaard. Okay, so Hoygaard is our is our final guy, not CTPN. Sorry about that. Mark Green, uh, you confused me there. Uh, my bad, everybody. So uh, Nikolai Hoygaard uh, seems to be a good course fit. Recent form, from what I recall, not great. Um, not somebody I would have gone with, but I know David's a big proponent of Hoygaard, and he certainly has some upside. Maybe in this field, uh, he is really somebody uh, to turn to. So, uh, Joel, any any thoughts on Hoygaard? Yeah, I think Hoygaard's interesting, especially if you're looking for a guy who can bomb and hit some putts. I mean, he fits the profile, but recent form is, is iffy. Spencer, does he rate out well at all? He does. Um, we'll get to him in a second when we talk about other variations of the market. But uh, yeah, I, I will play him this week. I do kind of like him. All right. Well, James, you know how we do it. We, we pull down the board and we do some first round leaders to close the show. We only got a few minutes left with you, of course. And um, Joel, let's kick it off. Let's kick it right on. Oh, first round leader. I got a feeling this is one of those weeks where we're going to have multiples be one of those ties and we pick give you all of the guys that will be tied. So to kick us off, Spence, who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Nikolai Hoygaard. I just mentioned him a second ago, 75 to 1. Uh, this is where I wanted to get my exposure to Webb Simpson, 110 to 1. Harry Hall, 100 to 1. Davis Riley, 80 to 1. I think this is a really nice course setup for Davis Riley to find some success here. I'm not usually a Davis Riley guy. Alex Noren, 100 to 1. All of those are in the morning. And then I am going to go to the afternoon with Thomas Dietrich here at 75 to 1. Uh, if he puts it together, I want to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. All right. James, who are you looking at for the first round leader? I mean, I love the the whole morning analysis. You want you're just gonna want to play guys because uh, Thursday morning shaping up to be very nice. And sadly, I don't have the tee times in front of me, so I will tell you some guys that I like if they're in the morning because I would be betting almost all morning guys. Uh, I got to assume Davis Thompson and Akshay Batia are two guys that uh, would be some long shots that I would be interested in, uh, and Nick Hardy. Those would be those would be the three that I would be looking at. Once again, if they're afternoon guys, scratch them off. But if they're morning guys, those would be dudes I'd be looking at. They're all morning. That see, look, I'm magical. Whoa. I'm magical. I knew it. I I could feel it. Uh, everyone, uh, one of those three guys that James just mentioned is the lock button first round leader. And if you don't, if you if you've already forgotten, the lock button first round leader actually hit two weeks ago. That's That's kind cool. of a bit. I get it, but it hits sometimes. So I'm just telling you, wait for my turn, Joel. I know you have to go, but one of those guys James just mentioned is is one of my is my lock button first round leader. Well, I got I got three plays for us this week. My first, the the higher odds, the the more favorite is going to be Tom Kim at thirty five to one, and my two long shots. My favorite play at ninety to one is going to be Callum Tarrant. I mentioned him before here. He's been close a few times. He's had a few where he's been only one or two back on the first day. I think this might be the week he finally gets one done for us at ninety to one, and another ninety to one play to go with him, Luke List. Hmm. Actually, I, I like the Luke List play. That's interesting at ninety to one. Um, okay, so Joel, is it time? Should I should I reveal like the actual answers on the test on a Tuesday? Test not being administered until Thursday. All right, here we go. If that's what you all want, okay. So uh, I have five guys here, but it's really four because apparently Tom Kim is 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 injured. But Tom Kim at thirty five to one. That's going to be a first round leader. You listen, you can take it if you want, uh, or you cannot take it. Um, but the other four. Let's go with Ludwig Aberg at 55 to one. Listen, this guy's a monster. He's a monster. And, and on these par fives and just on this course in general, he could collect some, some scoring here and be your first round leader, maybe be your overall leader as well. 
Steven Yeager at 60 to one, who has also been mentioned. Of course, uh, I like him quite a bit as well. Doug Gim, who has also been mentioned and drafted on the PGA Draftcast at 80 to one. Listen, if the putter's good for a round, it might be good for two or three rounds, maybe, because it's a maybe a new and improved Doug Gim, but we know the ball striking is there. Um, so Doug Gim at 80 to one, I, I really do like. But ladies and gentlemen, the first round leader at the Rocket Mortgage in 2023. I, I'm so happy James already gave the blessing to this guy. He's a guy that's not on really a lot of people's radar, although I do notice there's a little bit of ownership for him. So clearly some people have this guy. And I've noticed something about this guy over the last few tournaments where I'm like, okay, A, he's a good course fit, but B, he's doing things well that he doesn't normally do. And that's Nick Hardy at 80 to one. He is going to be your first round leader at the 2023 Rocket Mortgage. It's Tuesday. I'm telling you what's going to happen on Thursday. All I ask is for a thank you when it cashes. That's it. That's all. You're welcome. That was easy. It really is that easy. That's all you got to do. You put the money in today and then on Thursday night, you have that much more money. So mm-hmm. as simple as that, it's an easy formula. That's what we're here for. We're making the big bucks. And that's why... We call in the big guns. James, super, super, super appreciate you coming on, drafting with us tonight. Your teams are always good. Um, anything, any parting words for the folks tonight? Uh, no, I just, thanks for having me on. I, I, I'll always make time to come hang out with the boys. This is the, you know, I, I, I do the rounds on shows, and I always have the most fun on this one. Don't tell anybody else I said that. Let's hope they're not watching. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, and Nick Hardy, uh, don't forget the uh, Zurich, uh, the Zurich narrative too. There, see, ya. it just makes our pick that much more than nuts. I love it, absolutely love it. Speaking of the rounds on shows, are there any other things you're putting out this week that you want to highlight for everyone listening? Uh, no, go hop in my my contest because my host got it to me really late. I have a a week long contest, aka kicking the nuts, and a round four contest, both. Uh, you know, with like pretty, you know, flat payout structure. So hop in those, uh, help me get them filled. Cause that shit's stressful when they get it to me late. And I'm like, please join my contest. It, it's, it's real annoying. So if you go hop in that be $5, three max, I'd really appreciate it. I've already hopped in that. There we uh, go. James, I've appreciate already got three lineups in there. And for those of you that don't know how to hop into it, like I'm sure it's on your YouTube page somewhere, mm-hmm. but just go to it, go to degenerate 75's Twitter. And he's got it there. You can, um, you know, it's finicky with the links sometimes, but like you can copy and paste the link with, if you want, you can also click on the link either way. It's going to work, but it's right there for you. And it's only five bucks. Why not? It would be a cool tournament to win, right? You win DJ's tournament. That's pretty cool. Shout you out, you know, to, to, you know, all the people that want to know who won my tournament, you'll get, you'll be a hero to those people. I'm going to enter your tournament. I'm going to win it. And then you're going to bring me on the show. Don't you, don't you come over to my tournament playing your junkie (laughs) jock. Can't no, wear. see, that's the thing. Actually, you have to that, play yeah, that lineup in this to, tournament. That, that's, the, that's the best point ever. You come over and play all the donkey chalk, and there's yeah. tremendous pivots in my, in my contest. That's exactly Joel, right. Joel, you will shut down the show. You will <laughs> shut down the channel if that lineup wins. Well, the funny thing is, James, like nobody will be playing that lineup. I mean, granted, they'll be playing parts of that lineup, but nobody will be playing that lineup because they wouldn't want it in your contest. <laughs> they wouldn't want to show their face winning that lineup. And that's why it's super smart for Joel to play yeah. that lineup in your contest. Joel, big game theory guy. He gets it. He gets it. Yes. That's what I yeah. do. Well, as always, as always, James, a pleasure having you on the DraftCast this week. Looking forward to another fun week in Detroit. See ya. What am I missing? You are missing sports. 